welcome back to Following Nodon, a Stormlight podcast. This week, we are doing episode 135, and we are reconvening after our couple-month-long break, and this is our first episode in Mistborn. So ignore the title of Stormlight Podcast. We're diverting to Scadrial for a bit to enjoy Mistborn. If this is your first time with us, welcome in. I think there's going to be a couple people who will jump over here to, to Mistborn first. So welcome in. We'll be talking about format and all that stuff in a little bit. But first, Elliot, how are you? I'm I'm great. I've been looking forward to this moment right here, right now for a couple of months now. I th- Taking a break was fantastic. It was everything I needed. But about halfway through, I started to get that itch that I really need to talk about the Cosmere itch. And I don't have my people to talk about the Cosmere with. And so here we are. We're back by like chapter three, I think, of Mistborn here. I was like, oh, yeah, we, yep, we're back. This is it. Yeah. Paul, how are you? I am great. I'm great. I am uh, mildly getting over a cold. Other than that, amazing. I'm really excited to be back. Trevor, I was going to make the joke about, is this a Stormlight podcast? Or what? what, what is our podcast now? Because we're not talking about Stormlight today. We're not talking about the Stormlight Archive. But I, I'm, I'm excited to be back. Excited to, to dive into Mistborn. We have a mildly different dynamic uh, this, this read-through, which I'm sure Trevor might flesh out more later. But I have read Mistborn once before. So... Okay. We'll be going yes. to that. How we'll see far how how far have you gone though, Paul? Has have you read the entire first era? Yes, I've read the whole first era. Just the first book. I've read the first oh, era. Th- so first three first books. Three books, yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah, so Paul touched on it a little bit. The dynamic of this podcast is shifting to change a couple things. Uh if you have not read Stormlight, do not panic that we are going to spoil it for you because we will try our certain best not to talk about Stormlight without proper Stormlight spoiler warnings um, for your eyes and ears. Our, the format of how we're going to do this is for the first, for the majority of, the, of each episode, we will talk about Mistborn as we've read it, as we're going. Elliot has not read Mistborn before. I have read it a long time ago, but I only read it once, and it was in 2018, which is five years ago at this point. And uh, Paul has read it more recently than that. Um, so Elliot is a brand new reader, spoiler-free. We'll be keeping it for, for Elliot. And so if you have never read anything in the Cosmere and you're picking up Mistborn, perfect. That is that is the, our target audience currently. That is what we will try to cater to moving forward. Now, for the vast majority of our recurring audience who have read the full Cosmere and just enjoy listening to Elliot try to figure stuff out on the fly, we will be, at the end of each episode, or maybe every other episode, uh, if we don't have too much to talk about, we will be taking 10 minutes or so at the end of each episode to, to talk to unveil Cosmere spoilers for everything we've read. And we will talk 
openly quote unquote for what this podcast has covered and if we if we see something that we want to point out that is tied to may or may not be tied to stormlight we just want to talk about it if it reminds us of something if we just need to mention something that's in stormlight news or something coming out we will we'll be talking about that as it as we hear it as we read it um, but we'll be saving that stuff for the end so if you have not read stormlight just stop listening at that point we i promise we won't talk about anything super interesting <laughs> so don't feel <laughs> don't feel left out um so that is how we will be approaching this moving forwards go ahead Bob. i want i want to add something if you don't mind i think it's really cool that uh kind of the duality we get to do now because i actually asked trevor i was like trevor are we just talking about like cosmere implication things are we like going into all these like big stuff or are we back to the like kind of the first time reader perspective figuring out in this case Scadriel, what what's going on and uh we're getting to kind of do both which is awesome um we'll get to kind of walk through the storyline which was remarkably helpful for me and the stormlight archive i'm not a natural reader i would say um, and so it was great for me to do so and i have read this series before but I guarantee that 80% of what I will know about this series will be from us talking about it, not because I read it before. Because uh, although I did read it, I haven't really like discussed or stopped or anything to look around. So I'm excited to to dive deep, like chapter by chapter, and go through this. So I think it's a, a fun mix if you are watching and either picking up these books or a longtime fan. Um, you, you'll you'll probably learn something new. So it, it's really fun. I'm glad you brought that up, Paul, because I I have read Mistborn before. I read it, I read all of Era One in a week in 2018. <laughs> I'm listening on my phone at work, so my retention level was somewhere between five and ten percent, not not very high. So re reading these first chapters, it was a nice wake up call for me. Of wow, I have very little memory of what all goes on in these books. So. With that in mind, I will be asking questions to, you know, the air, to my fellow podcast hosts, and Paul's going to be the one who's not allowed to answer them. And it's up to you guys to try to figure out whether my questions are genuine or not, of if I remember <laughs> said question and it's just a bait for Elliot, or am I, is this a genuine question that I do not remember the answer to and the question, or the answer is coming very shortly. So... I have multiple of those in this first episode, so that'll be a fun dynamic to explore because I don't remember these very well. One more thing before we really get started. We are recording this in March of 2023. Coming up, I think July, August, there is a release of the Secret Projects all of, all of this year. Secret Project 1 is already out. It's been out for a couple months, which we will be covering on the podcast at a future date, we are going to try, this is not guaranteed at this point, but we're going to try to cover Secret Project 3 as it comes out. We would like to be fairly new and um, relevant covering Secret Project 3 specifically as it comes out. So that will probably line up with the end of The Final Empire, the first book. We'll probably pause 
do Secret Project 3 and then continue doing Mistborn. Um, that's that's my guess on how this will all work out. I'm not confirmed on that because also you have to take into account of getting Elliot and Paul a book when it when it comes out. I don't know if that's going to be guaranteed or not. So we'll we'll figure it out as it comes. But we're going to try to cover Secret Project 3 when it comes out because we did those the preview chapters uh, about a year ago um, when Secret Project 3 came out and uh, when the Secret Projects were announced and we were uh, excited to read that one. So we're going to try to cover that one. Anyway, enough of intro of 10 minutes of straight intro. The Final Empire or Mistborn or Mistborn the Final Empire or whatever you'd like to call it. He originally titles it Mistborn. And then he's like, wait, that's what I want to title the series. So then he tries to go back to title it The Final Empire. Expectations and impressions, Elliot. And then we'll go with, how are you feeling rereading it, Paul? Okay, okay I can start. So uh, I have to admit a little bit. I I'm reading this for the first time. But just by, just by the fact that I've been in the Cosmere fandom for three years now, I've gotten mild exposure to, I don't know if I really want to call them spoilers. I, I'm actually very impressed that I went to the entirety of Dragonsteel 2022, which was the a lost metal. Mistborn focused convention book launch for Brandon Sanderson. And I think I walked away with nothing major spoiled for me. And and here's here's how. Spoilers were absolutely thrown at me. There were moments where I where I turned and looked at Trevor and saw his eyes get big, like, oh no, Elliot has just been ruined on this entire series. The thing is, with zero context to put those statements in, I don't remember any of them. Like in the moment, it was like, oh, okay. But then 24 hours later, like there was nothing to give that any meaning for me and so i don't think anything major has been spoiled shockingly now the the part that maybe has been spoiled a little bit is some of like the general reactions to characters and things like that where like a character name drops and you, you see people like cringe or oh yeah that character you know that sort of thing so i have some kind of general i don't know leanings on a few things going into this which i think you could classify as, as spoilers but all of that said expectations for the book very excited the one thing i'm most excited for is the magic system at this point just based on kind of what i know and what i've heard people talk about i'm expecting a little bit of a darker book a, perhaps a darker story perhaps a little more gritty in places but I've heard a lot of interesting things about the magic system. So I'm really excited to dig deep into that. And I may or may not have already started a spreadsheet to track it all and figure it out. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Big, big fan of spreadsheets, personally. I make one for, like, everything. Uh, for me, um, my, like, general takeaways are that this is way more fast-paced than Stormlight. Stormlight, we kind of, like, cruise through. We get to see a lot of the world, a lot of the, like, landscape, a lot of little, like, characters and side conversations and stuff. And this, I feel like you're dropped almost, like, right into the action. Which, 
Way of Kings actually does a really, really good job of. Um, but it's like action, and then you turn away, and it's like world building, and then action, and then world building. And this is just like action through and through, is what it feels like. I, uh, if you've watched us before, you know that that's something that I'm a big fan of. I love the like action scenes and like the the intensity, the 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 grit, you know. I love that stuff. And so I, I've really enjoyed it and, and I'm excited. I'm mostly excited this time to go through and really like take a deeper look, you know, from right now, I would say, understand the magic system, but I think we'll go through and I feel like I'm going to learn that I don't fully understand the magic system, you know? Um, but yeah, other than that, nothing super major. Um, a lot of that is going to unfold as we get going. Sounds good. All right, Elliot, you used the term darker, more Paul did? One of, one of you did. And he did. You, it's pretty easy to tell just based, based on the cover art, um, comparing the different Stormlight books to Mistborn. The palette of the book is darker. And the first phrase in both the prologue and chapter one is ash fell from the sky it just sets the tone of you are in mordor and that is not changing anytime soon <laughs> that mm -hmm. that everything is overcast everything is ashy every everything is covered in black um you have to keep constantly sweeping and cleaning to have a functional field have a functional street have a functioning river um so that's interesting but also the the terms that Brandon Sanderson chooses to use to open this book are capital O obligators. Like that, that's a pretty oppressive term. Uh, control, screaming, like some R-rated content happening in the background that is mildly highlighted and that mist everywhere. There's there's the term bread used for people. Like that, it's a very very dark palette right out of the gate and then Kelsier pops his head up um in this in the middle of this field and the lord um lord trusting i think his name is his name he's like nobody ever picks their head up at this place what was that and then Kelsier ends up stabbing him in the back or in the chest or i don't know one of the two so very different than the openings um, of other Cosmere works. What did you guys think of the prologue? I was I was very intrigued, like a prologue should do, right? Hook you in and, and make you ask questions, which it definitely did. I think my, my first reaction to the world was, this does not seem like a place I would want to live. Right. there. This is a very brutal and oppressive culture. At least if you're a peasant. A ska? Ska. Is that what they're called? Yep. Mm -hmm. And the, the questions immediately started flowing, actually, as soon as we, we started talking about that. I was trying to figure out, is ska like a social class? Or is it supposed to be a racial term? Are we talking about like a, a slightly different race of humans? Or is it just a social class? I don't know if we can answer this yet. Paul, That's already a question. If I ever answer something, and I'm deliberately like, or if I ever answer something, and I'm presenting it like, 
this is the correct answer and I'm wrong, don't correct me. Okay, because that is genuinely what I think. So I'm going to answer this question, but if I'm wrong, don't correct me. Okay. What do I do then? You have to sit there and smirk and look at the camera, make eye contact with your webcam, and everybody has to watch your reactions like they've done for the past 134 episodes for me. <laughs> All okay, right. so from what I remember, it actually gets fairly controversial um, in the definition here. So we will find out more, obviously. Um, but as I okay. understand it, I think it's more closely to light eyes and dark eyes versus race. Like it, there, there, pro there, there is more mistings and mistborn in light eye, light eyed in a uh, noble structure, but I don't know if that's, I, I don't know that I, I think it's yeah. more the tone of class as opposed to race. I think. Okay. That that seems to make sense. My only confusing factor was in chapter two, we learned that Kelsier is a half blood. Right. So I, I I mean I don't know if if that I don't yeah. Okay. Half blood. Social classes. Got it. So then Paul, if you want to contradict me, feel free and then we'll figure out who's who's right. You you can contradict me with something incorrect and that might be fun. I probably will do that a lot, Trevor. I'll probably contradict you with something that's incorrect. Uh, my, I don't know the answer in all transparency. I haven't looked this up to really check. My understanding, because of the stuff that Elliot mentioned in Chapter 2 and like throughout the story, I assumed that there was some form of like difference in like race or something like that uh, in this story, because um, it seems like it's a different type of person you know like a different almost species entirely i almost think of like you know not men and elves but you know like in fantasy stories different types of like races of humanoid species so that's what i thought it was because it talks about like half bloods and all the things the ways it's really like frowned upon for ska and I guess nobles or normal people to be together or anything like that. So um, I assumed it was, but I don't actually know. As far as the prologue, though, I do really like it, which we didn't really talk about our uh, two words. I don't know if we want to go back to that, but that's one of my uh, two words. Oh, I forgot to ask. Uh, wow. Is I, I can go ahead and just talk about mine. Mine is dark and inspiring. Uh, okay. And that is... Dark is just because of the general theme here, and the atmosphere is very dark. Um, it's not a super happy opening. Um, but inspiring is to do a little bit with Kelsier here in this part. Um, you know, he kind of gets lashed at by the ska for... Um, he, he goes and like talks about all these things of how um, basically the power here is going to be overthrown, and there will be freedom and all sorts of things right and then they're like don't like get our poor kids hopes up you know like very very sad very snap back to reality um but even though there's not hope there in a lot of people there is still like 
because Kelsier, who comes in, is kind of this mysterious figure, a mysterious, powerful figure, um, there is still, like, a semblance of hope in what seems like a desolate place for the Ska. Um, and I think that was neat. And it's like, it's it's just like the little glint of light uh, in the distance of of darkness, you know? And so I think that was a cool thing, and that's why I said inspiring, and that's kind of what stuck out to me from this prologue. Elliot, your two words? Yeah, I did have two words. I, I kind of talked about them already, pretty much. My two words were brutal hierarchy, which okay. just referencing the, the, the system and the, the world, and yeah, not a nice place to live. But I, I liked your thoughts there, Paul, specifically about Kelsier. I can tell already I'm going to be very torn about Kelsier's character. I picked up on those elements of hope and inspiringness and some of those like heroic attributes in him. You, you see some of that for sure. But then he's not really like your sweep in and save the day and everything's all happy, merry kind of character either. Because he helps them. He saves the girl, and the little girl. But then he also just kind of wrecks the place and leaves the sky to deal with whatever the ramifications are. And they're like freaking out. And he's like, yeah, that's kind of the point. I kind of want you to freak out. Bye. I kept thinking of Robin Hood whenever he brings the food in. Um, <laughs> I wrote Robin I Hood on my. That, I wrote I'm Robin Hood on my hand. <laughs> so yeah, uh, yeah. Good. Go ahead, Paul, and then I'll, I'll chime in. Yeah. Whenever I was reading this, I was like, "Oh, I need to make a fun joke about Robin Hood." And my fun joke is me just saying it's like Robin Hood. Um, no punchline. Um, whenever he gives the food, it's just it just seems like that he's. Um, Kelsier has the capability to kind of sneak around, get around these, uh, this hierarchy, like I mentioned, and he's not afraid of seemingly anything. So he goes, he takes food and he gives it to the poor and kind of, kind of inspires, but he's not really, at least right now, he's not really fixing a problem per se. Um, but he's on that track. You, You know, he, I can tell he has good intentions, but uh, he may not think things through the most, is my understanding of Kelsey right now. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, so I was trying to give a summary to my mother about who Kelsey was. And just on the fly, I was I said, yeah, think of Robin Hood, but he also doesn't really know where the line is, where, where he, he's obviously going to go do the right thing. But given the opportunity to stab the nobleman in the chest, he's gonna take it, right? Like he's <laughs> he's yeah <laughs> he's not gonna spare any expense to by any nobleman's part. He's gonna go save the scar. No, doesn't matter how many noblemen get in his way. He's he's gonna do what he he sees to do to be right. He he also has the scars, right? Yes, he's got these really noticeable distinctive scars on his arms yep which you know harkens to a not so pleasant past of his maybe even not so distant past so maybe revenge 
in the motives as well. Maybe. Yeah, that's a good point to pick up on. Okay. I have in my notes that he burns tin to advance his hearing in the prologue. Does that really happen in the prologue? We're getting a lot of yep. magic stuff right off the bat here. What, what are you guys' thoughts on what is happening with this magic? I was, I was rather confused in the prologue, but was feeling much better by around chapter two or three. It was like chapter three. They sit her then down and give her a presentation, don't they? I don't think so. I think that's later. I could be wrong. I think it's chapter three. It might they, be chapter three. They tell her she's a it's not chapter two. I think it's chapter there's, three. There's at least enough information fed to you as the reader throughout kind of one, two, and three that starts to explain it fairly quickly. Right. And I was actually really encouraged by that because I thought that wasn't going to happen. I I read that bit in the first part where it was, you know, burning tin to, to get these abilities. And I was like, oh, well, this is going to be another, you know, little tidbit that's going to take a book and a half before we get our answer on. Nope. Two chapters later, it was, it was fairly well hinted at, at what was, what was going on there. So I, I think I understand it pretty okay already. He's got the metal in his body and he can kind of tap into it to access this ability, which for tin is this advanced hearing that he has. I, I, Isn't it all this senses? Yeah, it, I jotted that down real quick. I was wondering if it was like just advanced five senses or specific, or and he's just using hearing specifically at that point, or if it was specifically hearing. I I just wrote that question down. The, the term you'll hear is a tinai. Um, okay. In the story, and so it like alludes to giving increased sight, but my understanding is it's all the senses. Okay. Mostly, like, even, like, touch and, I guess, taste and stuff, even though I don't know if we ever see that. But uh, that's my understanding is 10 just enhances your senses, even to a point where it could be dangerous. If you're, like, I don't know, staring at the sun or something, you know? Right. <laughs> you could blind yourself or something, you know? Um, but, yeah. So, I'm actually curious, Elliot, you said you were making a little... Uh, spreadsheet to keep track of everything did you do you have like marked down like what metal does what so far have you kept track of of the metals so far yes i i have started a spreadsheet i've got several different columns in my my spreadsheet because we've we've gotten a list of different metals that are our abilities and then we've gotten a few kind of different descriptors about them I might wait until next episode to talk a little bit more about my, my spreadsheet because we get more in some of the, the later chapters in case anybody hasn't read that far yet. But I'll, I'll, I'll say that I'm, I'm tracking the, the abilities that they give you, the kind of names of the, the user, like, like Tinai, as a reference to someone who's you know, mm -hmm. using that metal. I've got a few other things I'm tracking as well. One particularly I really want to ask you guys about, but I... I'll wait till next episode because we need some of the information from the chapters to talk about it. Sounds good. Let's talk about Luthadel. Chapter chapter two. Um, Luthadel, and we can talk, kind of talk about Scadrial 
as a whole. Specifically, Luthadel and the surrounding area is modeled after Paris, like post-medieval Renaissance Paris, subtract gunpowder. Okay? So it's like if medieval age pushed into Renaissance age but didn't bring gunpowder with them, I is how I view uh, Luthadel. Because it's a, it's a very busy, very stone-based city. Like, there's a lot of... They talk about how the castles are all stone and then the slums are all wood. So it's not like... It, it's a really, really crowded, really busy, almost like London in the industrial era um, type of vibe, but peel it back 500 years and without gunpowder that that's what i interpret luthadel as um i guess i haven't mentioned it yet but our our new background um you can kind of see what i'm talking about in our new background this background is um made by raul rossell and he gave us permission to to use it um as our background so you guys can um enjoy that if you're watching on youtube and go uh Check out his other stuff. He's done a couple other uh, specifically Mistborn pieces. Um, but I his, really... His piece, really quick, I'll just interject. His piece captures an element that was very clearly in my imagination, which was the, like, spires, like the gothic yeah. yep. spires like throughout the city. I, I love that. Sorry, quick note. Yeah, I was just going to say the same. I, I think the imagery of Luthadel is awesome. They... Brandon Sanderson does a really good job of painting this dark black, but also very like alive and dangerous city all like on top of itself. Um, and I think the art is bang on for what that is trying to accomplish. And um, I really liked it. So I reached out to him. Um, but it, it paints Luthadel as there's 12, there's a dozen or so, great houses like lineage houses that live in luthadel and each have their own keep or castle in the city walls and so there'll be like a castle and then it'll kind of taper down to, to slums between between the castles then it'll go back up to other castles and then back down to slums and so i i think luthadel is one of the best viv vivid imagery that brandon sanderson has ever written i i, I love the imagery of luthadel I can agree with that. It's like not medieval because I always think of like in other stories the like fantasy medieval bows and arrows and swords and stuff. And yeah, this is like a bit beyond that, but not to like technology era at all. Like gunpowder. Right. Thing, so yeah, the design, I, I am really impressed. I'm looking at that background now and I am also really impressed with that. So it lends itself to the magic system, obviously, where Kelsier can just jump like house to house and basically the whole rooftop of the city is his his playground, how he gets around. He can he can just run wherever he wants to um as uh as a mistborn. So I, I yeah, anyway, big fan. Any anything else from chapter two or chapter three, guys? Did we no, talk about chapter one? Or are we waiting to come back to that? 
I thought we did. Did we not? No, we didn't. We completely skipped it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, maybe there's something important in Chapter 1 that we were waiting to talk about. We can talk about um, it now. Elliot, how do you say Vin's brother's name? Michael Kramer says, like, Reem or Reen. I don't know if it's an N or an M. It, it's an M on the end. It's, it's, I have it in my notes. R, oh no, it's an, an N. R-E-E-N. Reen, Reen. Okay. Like a reen of paper. Yeah. Got it. No. With a <laughs> yeah. Yes, like I said, like a ream of paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I'm, that, I'm actually... That... Sorry, I, I didn't mean to jump ahead. If you have something important, then go right ahead. But I'm really curious to hear Elliot's impressions of Vin and her brother, Reen. Just kind of first general I, impressions. I was just going to say, Reen does not sound like a very nice guy. At all. He, like every reference, Vin is an interesting character. We'll start there, actually. Vin is, like, at the same time, fairly positive about some of the terrible things that are happening, and yet incredibly paranoid and untrusting of everyone. And Reen is in that, that same category. She's like, Oh, I don't want to be out on my own because I've always had Reen to guide me. And half a page later, she talks about how Reen abused and lied to her and left her in the dump to be, you know, abused by all of these other girls. It's like, oh, wow, nice guy. Okay. So we learned that Reen up and left. I don't know if. Is it an if or a when? Are we going to see him again, Elliot? Oh. Goodness. Um, likely a when. I mean, classic fantasy writing, classic fiction writing in general. Right. You're gonna you're gonna drop a few breadcrumbs and you know, oh, this character disappeared. Surprise! Later but, they're back. So yeah, would would not shock me one tiny bit if if he showed up again. For sure, especially knowing that it's like Vin's brother. Like there, there's. If we're seeing Vin reoccurring as one of our new characters, it's going to be like, oh, well, the brother is someone near and dear that you've been with your whole life, right? So something uh, will tug at our heartstrings with Reen again, I would imagine, either in a good or bad way. I honestly don't remember if or when he comes into play. Um, but, yeah, but I, I was curious to, to see what you thought. It, it's interesting, like, dichotomy of emotions I think I have for a lot of our characters but like Vin and Kelsier Kelsier we don't know as much I feel like right out of the gate we understand a little more kind of like street urchin like trying by just street life like bandits the whole nine yards just a lot of like criminal activity and so we see a girl who is like just trying to get through and also trying to find any source of comfort that she can in a really broken society and place. And it's really, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of challenging even to like think about too much or to read, you know, it's very sad. Um, but seeing that she does have like, I don't know, I was going to say she does have people she can rely on, 
but Reen is not a great person to rely on. I would agree with you that Elliot, he, he's not super kind <laughs> and stuff, but um, it makes me hopeful. But with that, um, I'm sure there's more in Chapter 1 as well, but it is more hopeful with the later chapters that we get to talk about. So, I guess... Go, go ahead, Elliot. Yeah, real, real quick, backing on a thought there. I, I am intrigued by this argument within Vin where she she doesn't want to be around these criminals anymore. She wants to strike out on her own, but she doesn't want to be alone either. Like, she doesn't really like these people, but they're who she knows. So she's going to, you know, there, there's an element of her that wants to be around people she's familiar with, even if they're not very nice people. At least they're the devil she knows, I guess. Right. And I, I guess the reason, I don't know if I did this on purpose, but the reason why I skipped over chapter one was most of the chapter is all about Vin's luck. And she's talking to, she has an inner monologue and dialogue about her luck and how it's helped her do all these sorts of things. And by the end of chapter three, we at least have a explanation, if not the explanation of what exactly is happening. Um, so there's, there's chapter one where we get an intro to Vin. She's helping her boss get this deal. And then what is it? Chapter, is it in the next chapter or is it chapter three that they go back to, um, that they go to another group? Is it the, canton of inquisition that they go to um and she tries to use her luck again but there's a, a a guy there who can identify that for what it is even though vin doesn't know what it is he it flags for him then they're gonna go chase vin down kelsey kelsey uh intercepts it rescues vin that's where we end chapter three basically where they sit her down and tell her She's a mistborn. Dun dun dun. Um, and we get a quick uh we get a quick presentation of one in every ten thousand ska is a misting, let alone a mistborn. Um mistings can use one of the known eight alimantic like common alimantic powers, and then there's two more. Um There's two other like metals. Yeah. Right? Or I yeah. think I'm right on that. There's two other medals, but like eight powers or something like that. Yeah. So we get a quick identification of the majority of people who have magic in this world are going to be mistings who can use one. Vin and Kelsier are mistborn and they can use all of them. And that's where we end in chapter three there. Do you guys have anything else mistborn specific? Before I get into a, a Stormlight spoilery point. Yes. Two two quick thoughts for you. Both coming out of chapter three. One is, my last thought on, on Kelsier is we see we see twice here in these first few chapters him feel this like need to protect an innocent young person. We saw it in the prologue and then we see it you get glimpses of again with with Vin, yep. where he seems like to, to have this this pull, this this kind of need to protect her, and immediately I'm thinking, there's got to be something in his past that is like reminding him of that, and you know, 
there's got to be something. Did did he lose someone? Did he lose like a a close family member or something? I was thinking maybe like a sister, perhaps that he's lost. And now whenever he sees like a, a young woman in you know being oppressed or being abused, like that triggers something in him, and he oh, just has to act, sort of thing. Yeah. What about we'll wait so. until the interludes? <laughs> wait. <laughs> what, what about what about a daughter, Elliot? Odds it's a Ooh. daughter. Oh, I, I did not think of that. Okay. Okay. Yes, I'm gonna be on the lookout. I'm gonna be on the lookout for more hints into Kelsier's past specifically. Mild side note. Do we know how old Kelsier is? Vin describes him in chapter three bursting through the door as a middle thirties. And Ben, I don't actually know how old she is. In my head, she's like 14. 16. She is a youthful girl that does not look her 16 years. That's probably why I thought she was 14. So Yes. <laughs> Pretty and spot on, I must say. Last thought before we go to tying things to, to Stormlight is this Lord Ruler person that's been referenced several times already i'm very suspicious already and and not for like the obvious reasons that there, there's the the lord ruler who is the source of oppression of all these people they're part deity part religious leader part just emperor king person of this land Clearly, they have a huge hand in all of this oppression and terrible slavery that we're seeing of all these people. But some of the references and like descriptions of this person are, are kind of, I don't know, something's off. Something is odd here. There was one phrase that was repeated at least twice, maybe three times. And it had to do with like, the Lord Ruler lets the nobleman do a whole lot of different things, or he supports them in different things. And the the reason we get for that, like the same phrase more than once, it had something to do with his fondness of their ancestors. And we get the Lord Ruler described as, I think this comes up in these early chapters, immortal. Yeah, chapter two, mm -hmm. immortal. So he's supposed to be immortal. He's supposed to live forever. He supposedly knows everybody's ancestors, had a fondness for them, and so now he's protecting some of these younger generations of people that were his in-crowd before. Something about all of that seems really odd to me. I don't know if it's like a made-up story or if it is like a way to explain something that sounds like not what it is. If that makes any sense? I don't know. Yeah. Some of those are not, not passing the sniff test on this this dude. And, and the, you can couple, I think, Kelsier in the same group of that, is that there's a lot of reputation around Kelsier as well. Mm. A lot mm -hmm. of people will, like in Chapter 3, Kelsier bursts through, bursts into the room, and all the thugs are like, it's the survivor, the survivor of Hathsin, and they're all freaking out. And... It just begs the question, obviously, of what is true and what is what is not. So same thing with the Lord Ruler. Elliot, are you leaning more yeah. towards, like, the Wizard of Oz? Like, 
the man behind the curtain or are you learning leaning more towards he is who he says he is but there's way more we don't know i'm leaning more wizard of oz i'm leaning okay. more towards this is a a fabricated persona okay that is either not actually a person or it's like a they're they're trying to claim that it's been the same person he's immortal but it's actually every 20 years they bring in a new one and have to you know, like replace him and it's a big old you know dog and pony show to keep up the act gotcha okay something like that's going on yeah and yes Hell i'm you know. basing my entire theory here on about six words i read <laughs> in one sentence <laughs> yeah i was actually going to mention that so i think we learned from reading other Brandon Sanderson series that you can look at like any detail, any little detail and like flesh it out for like half an hour. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious as we go through this more in depth, where that line is with Mistborn. Cause my understanding generally is there's less of that. Okay. Mistborn, but I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll like get to look into that more and find out, but I, I'm, I'm kind of curious about that myself. That was a classic Trevor line that Paul just, Paul just threw out there. Oh, I don't know. Fast. We'll find out. Fast. I'm having to learn on the fly here. I, this is this is difficult. It I is. Can't it's not easy. Okay. Not. Um, if you are a misborn first time reader and do not want Stormlight spoilers, farewell. Um, or if, if you do want Stormlight spoilers specifically, yeah. If you don't care and want to stick around, <laughs> that's that's up. That's on you, but. If you haven't read or, Stormlight, or, or, you might hear a lot of names that you don't recognize, but it could be fun. Or or just pause right now and go read the entire Stormlight archive, including Book 5 Prologue, and then come back here and push play again, and then you'll be good to go. Yeah, okay. Sounds good. That works, yeah. It'll just take like a couple minutes. Okay. Um, but all that being said, if you're still here and you haven't read Stormlight, we probably won't be like... At least until later, I think. We probably won't be aggressively spoiling Stormlight, but we will be referencing things that you should know from the book and not just from us. So, anyway. I'm about to massively spoil one very specific thing, but in general, <laughs> yes. Your your general comment is probably true. Okay. I have I have a comment to make while we're exiting the topic we were talking about, but I didn't want to talk about it pre-spoilers. Okay. With the Lord Reeler, I always kind of envisioned him in a similar way. I kind of envisioned him as legitimate, but I kind of envisioned him like we do Sasebron, like at least how he's like visualized yes. in Warbreaker. Yeah. Okay. Of like yep. kind of the God like King. A human, yeah, a human, but like barely human anymore, kind of transcending humanness. Okay. I guess is yeah. how I've just how I pictured it reading the beginning here. While while we're Warbreaker spoilering, I also thought of breaths and like heightenings when Kelsey was burning the tin yeah. or the additional abilities. I immediately thought of of that magic system as well. So definitely some crossover already. There's probably a words of Brandon question out there of if you burn enough tin, can you reach perfect pitch? Can you reach you know the fourth heightening oh. or stuff like oh, that? Yeah. I 100% think somebody's gone down that, that path. That's a really good question. Okay. Um, so, no more 
filter spoilers for what 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 do, what do we got here? Um, Elliot, I have a specific question for you. Um, it's been a long time since I first read both Stormlight and Mistborn. Um, is there more setting writing in the first opening of Mistborn than there is in Stormlight? Because I feel like there is, just reading these chapters again. Yes, and, and I'm not quite the right person to ask, because even though I just read Stormlight, I read the prologue of Way of Kings three years ago now when we started this podcast. So it's been a little bit, but I have the same exact impression. I, I'm getting much more visual stimulation, much more visual descriptiveness from Brandon in this story, which is something I've talked about specifically before that I wish right. Stormlight had more. Yeah, that's why I, I was asking. I, I specifically wish that Brandon would describe Roshar to me more often. He doesn't do it very much. He He really leans into the storytelling through verbs and not adjectives in Stormlight. At least in our first few chapters here in Mistborn, definitely more adjectives, definitely more telling me what the characters are seeing around them, not just telling me what they're what they're doing. So I I, I feel it. I one thing. Go ahead, Paul. One thing I want to add is I think it's way. I actually, from my general memory of Stormlight Prologue, it see. I think that there's like less descriptiveness in Mistborn, which okay. I could be just off on that, like, objectively, but my understanding is Mistborn's world is way easier for us to picture and grasp. Like, Stormlight is, like, sure. a fantastical world full of stuff, like, like full, like, every, like, the ecosystem, everything is stuff that we don't know and don't understand, and so it like we understand it's like on a planet on land or in water you know but like birds beasts trees everything is like new and different people are kind of similar but everything is still like different you know here it is like you know it does constantly rain ash but it is still like a very picturable they're like working in a field it's like a castle like town there's allusions to like all sorts of stuff that you would think of as like like raiding the. I mean, there's pantries and stuff. I'm sure in Stormlight too. But you know, but all the like imagery and stuff, I feel like is really easy for us to picture mm-hmm. compared to to Stormlight because it's less like fantastical. There's like things we have to wrap our mind around, like the mists and stuff like that. But that's still pretty tangible and easy for us to picture. And I wonder if it has to do with what Elliot said. It's been so long since we read those first pages of The Way of Kings. Because the last thing we read was the Sandra Lanch of Rhythm of War, and he's not stopping mm-hmm. to tell you about what's the that's design on the wall. And yeah, anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> but I I do think that there's way more setting writing in these first couple chapters, and I wonder if that's just timeline or when he wrote the book that he was um just expected to do that as a fantasy writer, like write about your world in the first couple chapters and in stormlight he i think he does i don't even think we get a definition of kremlin until we've seen them on page at least a lot like like quite a bit right where he's he'll just mention a kremlin and then not come back to what he was just talking about for a while uh whereas in mistborn 
he'll tell you exactly what the scene looks like before the characters walk into it. Um, so I don't know if that's just a, because he wrote this in 2005, 2007, something like that. Um, but anyway. And if you disagree with us, come hop on our discord and, and talk about it. We should, I'm, I'm curious sure. if anyone feels like the opposite. Do do you feel like Mistborn is, is harder to visualize? Like you should come talk about it. Yeah. I agree. I will say that uh, I think Soma is the world is way more fun and exciting to imagine because it's stuff like Santheds and things, not ash and <laughs> pain and sorrow and agony and yes, you know. Okay, so here's a question that if you were to read Mistborn as it came out, you definitely absolutely would not be asking. Where's our investiture? This question is top of my list right now because of all the Stormlight Archive experience that I have and my newfound knowledge of how magic works in the Cosmere. I'm immediately on the lookout for, okay, I know a bit about how magic systems are supposed to work in the Cosmere. So how can I unravel this one? Yeah. And I got to admit with the information we have so far, I'm a little bit stumped because we know that magic needs to have like a resource there there's there has to be something you you are spending to to do the magic and here it's very clearly the metal that they have Kelsier burns tin with kind of the assumption there that eventually he's going to burn it all up but then is the immediate implication that the tin is investiture like Pretty much every other system, magic system we've seen so far is investiture powered. You just see different types of investiture. Right. Or you see investiture kind of manifesting. Maybe that's the wrong word because I think that has other implications. You see different versions and flavors of investiture based around maybe the shards that there is, that, that investiture is associated with. So now I'm immediately like, okay, what what shards are here? And why are they tied to metal? Why is the metal not glowing? Because I'm used to my investiture glowing. And great question. Yeah. Pretty much. I do know the answer to this one, so I'm not gonna talk, but I was gonna say this one's hard. Yeah, I know I have to throw I have to throw questions out there and, and just kind of let them hang in the void because my... I read and find out i suppose but, but yeah. mostly my but most of the time i can ping pong back with you on genuine questions but on on this one i i do actually remember where the investor is so i'm not going to talk my understanding also like as as a first time reader especially was that like i i understood that it was like oh in stormlight in warbreaker it's like Stormlight, like the energy that comes, you know, from from the high storms and breaths, whatever the heck that is, still on. <laughs> still don't Breaker, know. You know? Yep. Um, I I think I kind of understand breaths, but I know, don't only so much. Anyways, um, I I kind of was just taking this approach to be totally different and being like, it is not wispy power. It is metal <laughs> like it is like don't i'm not gonna try and like doll it up too much of that it's like all this stuff and and it's like you know to like put it in the vials or whatever that they do it's like refined like it's like 
good quality. It's not like all rusty and stuff, I imagine, but right. it gets good, good old pure metal. None of the cheap stuff. My my other question, coming from Stormlight and Metals and Investiture, I was shocked. Like I I had to set the book down for a second when they said, "All right, there's eight basic allomantic metals." I'm like, "Oh great, I already know one of these." And they read off the list, and aluminum. Aluminum's not on there. Ralcalest, which I I think we we've learned before. Sil- the same, silver's right? not on there either, is it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, no silver, yeah. no aluminum. Like the two metals I've seen before do magical things, not even on the list. Yeah, not even on the list. I I was thinking the same thing, especially after all those times of us reading Stormlight, and we're like, "That's a metal. That's a metal. That's from Mistborn. <laughs> Therefore, it's from Mistborn because it's a metal." Am I? Slightly spoiling into the next few chapters, but my my spreadsheet is not complete yet. I've got some holes in it, so there's still a there's still a possibility for it to to sneak in there. But the fact that aluminum was not one of the basic eight metals, I'm like scratching my head, like, what are you doing over here, Brandon? What that, are you doing? That that is interesting because that then begs the we've seen storm we've seen stormlight and void light interact with aluminum. We, we've we've seen that happen on multiple occasions in the Stormlight Archive. I'm curious now, what happens to Stormlight and Void Light and Cultivation Light if you bring you know tin or copper or what whatever these common normal um, quote unquote metals on Scadrial are? What happens when you bring that over to Roshar? Does it start glowing? I don't know. I, I bet the ghost bloods are way ahead of us on this. They've probably tried. I that. I that bet they true. absolutely are. That is hundred percent. That, that was the first thing they did. Yeah. I, that I that's true. a great prediction. Speak, speaking of ghost bloods, I think speaking of ghost bloods, getting Uh-oh. my world hopper organizations mixed up now. I I definitely noticed. The description in chapter three of the Inquisitor. I think it's chapter three of the Inquisitor. And the spikes driven through his eyes, both of them. Yep. Which side note, Kelsier says should kill him, and they don't know why it doesn't. Yeah. Interesting question there. But I immediately thought to one of the most recent things we've read, which is Book Five Prologue. What's our book five title now? Knights. Knights of Wind and Truth. There's yeah. A, there's an and oh, in there that's, that's right. not supposed to be there. That he was that's like, right. don't worry about it. <laughs> I kind of don't mind it. I don't care. I mean, it's a good title. So uh, I don't anyway, if, if I didn't like it, I might. Let's not well, let's not get into whether we like the title or not. We might be here a while. Let's <laughs> let let's leave that for another day. And I, I it's cute. It, it, if you don't want Knights of Wind and Truth prologue spoilers now's your chance to to dial off because the big 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 reveal in that prologue was maybe this is not fully 100% confirmed but like 98% confirmed Helsier or the Lord of Scars showing up in that episode in that prologue with a spike through his head if I remember correctly or at least the character we see there 
in that book five prologue having a spike through their head. We and I don't really have any, I don't have any theories on I'll, this yet other than ooh spikes through the head. I I recognize. I'll I'll recap this for you. So they're kind of hard to forget that. At the end of Rhythm of War, they're the leader of the Ghostbloods is revealed to be the Lord of Scars, quote unquote. And then at the begin at the prologue in book five obviously unpublished yet like this could change but the person who shows up claiming to be Thytokar who we've just learned is the Lord of Scars quote unquote is a blue glowing orb that rolls through the door <laughs> has a spike through one eye and has scars on his arms that is what we know <laughs> yeah. yes I, I jumped a I made a couple of assumptions in there, so that was a much better, better summary of of the course of events there. But I'm I'm immediately intrigued with these Inquisitor characters because I'm already intrigued by this other Thydekar person who may or may not potentially be the Lord of Scars, Kelsier. And here we have Inquisitors with spikes through their eyes, which is, I'm sure, giving them some kind of ability that maybe this Thydekar person is going to also have, probably. Anything else? Way more questions than answers, but yeah, I'm at least starting to jot down all the questions. Hey, that's a, that's a step. That is one step. Anything else? One small step for Elliot. One giant <laughs> leap for the podcast. That's right. Anyways. And and that's all I have. I didn't have anything else in my notes. 